0: Good evening. Man, that was really good. Good evening. evening. It's Christmas. Come on. Thank you. Thank you very much. Christmas is a great time. I mean, it's a great time. I'm sure a lot of you have already done a lot of stuff, but I absolutely love Christmas. You've heard me talk about Christmas before, but how many people got all their traditions in yet? All of them? Probably still lacking some. We've got a lot of ours done already. Uh, We've decorated everything in the house. We uh, sent out some cheesy Christmas card that costs like $200 that we could just post it on social media instead. Uh, And we've watched almost all of our favorite Christmas movies. However, Ali doesn't think some of mine classify as Christmas music. As you know, there's White Christmas, which I love, Christmas Vacation, The Santa Claus, and some others. But it's not Christmas until you see Die Hard or Band of Brothers. Am I right? Band of Brothers miniseries, the whole thing, you know, Nothing says Christmas like artillery shells exploding in the forest in the Battle of the Balls. Love it. Uh, But it is the night before Christmas right now, tonight. And tomorrow we're going to celebrate the birth of our Savior, and we're going to recount the Christmas story that we've all heard, and it's told throughout the scriptures. But tonight I want to tell you the Christmas story, um, but not just a story that starts with Mary and Joseph, but I want to tell you the whole Christmas story. Because this is one of the greatest stories that's ever played out in our world. And a lot of times we fail to make the connection of the full entire story. And it didn't start with Mary and Joseph, as many of us like to start the Christmas story. But it actually started nearly 2100 years before them with a promise from God that was made to a man named Abram. Or as we would come to know him as Abraham. But to really set the whole story for you, to set the whole stage, I'm going to have to back up a little bit more. And if you got your Bibles, you got your handy-dandy Bible app, I need you to go turn to the first page of the Bible, the first chapter, and the first verse of the Bible, where it starts with, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So it all began with the Godhead, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And he created the heavens and the earth to include every living creature, that we have here on earth. But when he created man, he made us just a little bit different. Some may say a lot different because he made us in his own image. And that set us apart from all other creation. And so he had a relationship with the very first humans as we know as Adam and Eve. And everything in that time in that place was perfect. But as we know something happened and that something has continued to occur throughout the entire story that we know and it's continued to wreak havoc Bring about confusion and even death. And what that was is sin entered into this story. Sin entered into this story. And after turning from God's commands and allowing sin to enter into their story, Adam and Eve, they were cast out of that perfect relationship with God, and hardship came upon them. Because any time we're apart from God, things are always going to be harder. And so began man's greatest journey. A journey to defeat the sin that had come into the picture and overtaken everything. But the problem is not just the sin, but what sin results in. Because sin always results in separation from God and death. So back to this story. This whole story is just a journey out of death into eternal life with God. Is what this whole story is about. So as you flip through the pages of Genesis and you move on through the story and it continues on, the theme of sin constantly is in there. You see it constantly woven through the story. We end up seeing brother kill brother, tribe murder tribe, and the whole world spirals downward into chaos all because sin entered into the story. And from the story, it's clear that man cannot find his own redemption. They tried, and we see it over and over, the failure come in of sin. So what happens? God steps into the story. And God decided to choose a people from which he would bless the entire world from and bring about redemption for all mankind, every single one of us. So now let's jump back to Abraham, back to Abraham 2,100 years ago. And God made a promise, and this promise was something that made no sense to Abraham. And in Genesis 12, we see that God tells Abraham that from him he will make a great nation and all people, all nations, the entire world will be blessed through Abraham but this was a promise that was seemingly impossible for the senior citizen as most of you some of you know from the story and not only the first part of the promise about him have innumerable offspring but also the second part about everyone being blessed because you see in this culture they weren't about blessing each other you see nations and tribes and groups of people that were at war with one another always against each other and they killed one another But in spite of all this, Abraham decided to believe this seemingly impossible promise from God. And so God steps into the story, and a very, very old Abraham and a very old Sarah have a son named Isaac. And Isaac ended up having two sons, Jacob and Esau. And as we see through the story, through some sin and deceit, Jacob actually steals Esau's birthright. And through him, we end up tracking the lineage of Jesus from Abraham. Instead of Esau. And Jacob ends up having twelve sons through multiple wives, as you've come to know them as the twelve tribes of Israel. But he ends up having multiple uh, 12, twelve sons with multiple wives and servants. And so between him still and his brother's birthright, having multiple wives and twelve boys, there's plenty of chaos going on in his life. And additionally, his boys have their own issues going on, too, if you've read this story. And if you haven't read this story, I encourage you, it's in the book of Genesis. I encourage you to come out on Monday night. Karen is actually going through these stories right now. We're going through the book of Genesis. Some fascinating stuff that you might be surprised is in there. And you want to talk about some issues these boys had. Uh, We had a couple of them ended up wiping out a whole tribe of people that ended up raping their sister. Uh, Another one had an inappropriate relationship. He ended up sleeping with his half-brother's mother. That's some Maury stuff or whatever the TV show is nowadays. Let's try to figure that out. And the majority of these brothers faked the death of their young, one of their younger brothers, and it was the death of Jacob's favorite son, Joseph, and they ended up selling him into slavery into Egypt. So we see how sin is just woven into this story. But in spite of all these sinful acts, of all the brothers, God steps into this story. And God fulfills his promise as in Egypt, Abraham's offspring end up growing into a great nation from Joseph being there and bringing his brothers in, showing forgiveness and allowing the nation to grow. However, sin comes back into the story and we end up seeing them all become a nation of slaves. So they're finally a nation, the people are growing, but now they're a nation of slaves. And the whole nation grew up hearing the story of Father Abraham and the promise God made to him, but they grew disheartened. And they began to wonder if this promise could even be true. Because of them living in slavery, it seemed like a downright impossible promise to fulfill. And it's hard to bless the entire world when you think about it. That's their their goal when they're living under Egyptian rule as slaves. But then once again, we see that God steps into the story. And he brought them a deliverer, as we know, as Moses. And some of you may know this, that through the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, God ended up delivering the people from Egypt, and he set them into their new homeland, the land of Canaan, into the promised land. And once in the promised land, the nation began to really thrive. They even developed their own laws and ended up being able to set up a permanent temple for them to worship their God. So things are going great, but once again, there was still sin woven throughout their story that was constantly causing the separation and the chaos, but mainly the separation from God. So God gave them a temporary solution, and we know this is the sacrificial system. And through this system, blood would be shed on behalf of sin, on behalf of our sin, on the behalf of the people of Israel's sin. But unlike this system, it wasn't just a, you know, a, a something just a to toss by. It was a serious system that was put in place, because things would be, your sin would be passed on to something innocent, some innocent creature like a lamb. And this wasn't a get-out-of-jail-free card, but a system that forced you to face the penalty that you were worthy of. And during a sacrifice of the lamb, it wasn't just some simple process. You took the lamb, dropped it off, and you left. You actually placed your hand on the lamb's head, and you, that was symbolic of you transferring your sin onto this innocent creature, this blameless creature, and then the lamb would be slaughtered while you did that. It was very graphic, and it was very real. Aren't you glad you came tonight? Merry Christmas. And so we had this system now in place. And as this kingdom grew, we see David enter the picture, King David. And he was a man after God's own heart. And he ended up conquering the enemies all around them and finally established the kingdom, the nation of Israel. And he brought upon a time of peace that they had never witnessed before. And then after David came his son Solomon, who was very wise, and he ended up expanding the kingdom even more with his massive wealth. People from all over the world would come to see Solomon and see all that he had done, sit at his feet and learn from him. And finally, Israel was becoming that power player that they needed to be, and it was starting to seem like this promise may actually be able to be fulfilled, that they could be a blessing to the entire world. But then something happened again. Sin entered the story. And Solomon chose to marry the daughters of these foreigners that were coming to visit him. He was depending on these political alliances rather than depending on God, and then he even ended up worshiping these false gods that came with his many wives. And God responded that he would divide the nation and tear down the temple that Solomon had built in his name, because any time there's sin, there's also earthly punishment, not just eternal punishment. And after Solomon's death, that's exactly what happened. The kingdom was divided into two nations, and eventually both of them would be conquered. And the temple would be destroyed, and the people were taken into captivity. And for the next several hundred years, the tribes of Israel would live under Assyrian rule, then Babylonian rule, and then Persian rule. But then once again, when all hope is lost, God steps into the story. And through their pain and their captivity, God sends his prophets Isaiah and Malachi to tell them that they will still be a blessing. In spite of all this, They're still going to be a blessing to the world and that they will make God's name great among the nations. But more importantly, he tells them of a Messiah, of a Savior, to bring them out of this captivity and to become a nation under God once more. But for the time being, they would still live under now Greek rule. And then in 64 B.C., Rome comes in, conquers Jerusalem, and it makes Israel part of the great Roman Empire. So once again, they are servants of a pagan empire with no way to make God's name great. No way to bless the whole world. And this is where we find Israel, the nation of Israel, on the night before Christmas. Still searching for a Messiah to overthrow their enemies, a Savior to come as a conquering hero like Moses did and defeat their rulers, cast aside their their chains of slavery that has restricted them for nearly uh, nearly a thousand years. And this warrior was supposed to come to free them, but so much time had passed that all hope was being lost. And this is what makes the Christmas story so amazing for us. Things were as hopeless as they could be. They were in captivity. They were slaves. God's promise to Abraham was completely impossible at this point. But this is where God steps into the story. And the Apostle Paul says it like this. He says, when the set time has come, when the set time had come, when God had everything exactly the way he wanted it, when there was one expanding empire that had united the whole world under Pax Romana or under Roman peace, in this expanding empire was joining the world with roads with port system with shipping system and there was a common global business language being spoken and there was finally a mechanism to get the undivided attention of the world and to export the message that would ultimately bless the entire world that's when god stepped in to the story once again and when god steps into the story it isn't exactly as they expected There isn't a warrior coming to overthrow an empire, but a child who's born in a stable, to the son of a laborer, a carpenter, and one who becomes a servant to man. And tomorrow, for the Israelites, when this child arrives, the promise to Abraham will finally be fulfilled, and the chains of the ultimate conqueror, our sin that separates us from God, and the quest for salvation, will finally be realized. The sacrificial system will no longer be needed, and the temple veil that divides us from God will be finally torn. Not through our own actions, not through our own means of salvation, but through a perfect lamb, a humble sacrifice that is willing to take upon all the world's sin, as he's the only one who could conquer it all. But on this night over 2,000 years ago, the nation of Israel was still waiting on Christmas Eve. But today, we know that Jesus was born. And for the first time in history, salvation had finally come to the earth. Salvation is here. Emmanuel, God with us, came and the promise was fulfilled. And as for us 2,000 years later, we still wait now. As Christians, as believers, as the nation of God, we still wait now. And we found our freedom and salvation, but there's so much more to do. We still have a great commission. We're supposed to tell more people about Jesus and what he did and tell them this whole story, and how God stepped into it and made all the difference. And we still have this other promise for us, for the same Messiah is going to return again, and we're waiting for God to step in the story once more. So tomorrow we celebrate his first coming, but we are always anticipating the fulfillment of his promise to us when Jesus Christ returns again. Let us pray. Father God, we are so thankful first and foremost, that we can come and worship in your house, and even with all that's going on in our lives, that we can find time to carve it out for you, because you are the reason that we celebrate Christmas. It's because of this whole story, this redemption process that we see play out in the Old Testament and into the New Testament, that we're here and we worship your name, because you came as Emmanuel. You came a God among us, no other God and any other religion ever came down to their people, but it's always people trying to get to them, but you came down to us, born of a virgin, lived the perfect life, died the perfect death for us so that we could have life eternal from you, and you would conquer all our sins and take away that eternal separation, God. And tomorrow on Christmas morning, let us remember that. Let us rejoice that in that and what you did for us. And it's your name we pray. Amen.